Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We're rolling into 2021. I hope you're excited. I hope you're full of anticipation for what God's going to do in this year. Why do we want to get back to Pentecost? Because that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the church. That's where the church, in that wonderful explosive day, God made his statement. He returned in the form of the Holy Spirit and filled his people. 3,120 plus Jews were saved on that day under this new reign, under this new power that was coming. They weren't sideliners anymore. They weren't a subset of culture anymore. They weren't somebody just in the midst of the Roman Empire and the the rule of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were the new power on planet Earth. And they began to spread a gospel message that's lasted for over 2,000 years. Why do we want to get back to Pentecost? Because it's time for us. It's time for us to, to revive and to renew and to reclaim our purpose. Jesus told his disciples to go back to to, uh, Jerusalem. He said, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. That word tarry more or less just means wait. Just means go and wait. But what did they do? They went back to Jerusalem. They found their way to the temple. They found their way to an upper room and they began to pray. I want to talk to you this morning this first service of 2021, I want to talk to you this morning about the beautiful, awesome basics. Back to the basics. You see, this everything, everything was founded in this new, awesome, explosive movement, first in prayer. First in prayer. It was powerful. It was amazing. We know that the, the word says that the spirit ushered into the room like, like fire sitting on top of him. It was incredible. We don't know how long they waited there, how long they prayed. We just know that they were in one mind and they were in one accord. That means they were in unity together praying for that one purpose. And so I thought about this, by the way, Brother Chad and Sister Angela, another fantastic 10-10-10 this morning. My goodness, what an anointed prayer. Sister Angela stepping out in faith and courage to do that. A phenomenal prayer. You know why we're feeling a move of God this morning? Because people stepped up in a powerful pre-service prayer, gave of their hearts, and prepared what's happening right now. Brother Chad stepped up. By the way, Brother Chad, if you're in the room, you preached one-third of my message this morning. We did not talk. I love the unity of the Spirit. And so those of you that were here this morning, you'll know why I said that. So I thought about prayer, this foundational thing. And and, and in recent interactions I've had with people, even with some Christian people, I've mentioned prayer. We've talked about all these things that are going on around us and the challenges and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go back to 20. But I said, well, we've got to get more serious about prayer. It's going to be about prayer. And do you know a couple of Christians that I spoke to kind of sloughed that off a little bit? kind of, well, yeah, I know. And it shocked me. And I thought, from, wow, is the world really beginning to have that much of an impact on the church that we're starting to look at prayer as sort of a notion? That prayer is just, yeah, I know that's what we're supposed to do. And I thought about the person that I was talking to. They were, they're not here. Don't worry. It's just outside of this realm. And I said, 
to myself, wow, this person has now resigned prayer to some sort of a notion, some sort of a, yeah, I know that's part of what we do as Christians. And it said to me that that person does not engage in regular prayer. Because here's the answer to that situation. That true, honest, consistent, relentless prayer ushers in power and faith and it moves God. And we've got to get back to the place, if you're there, if you're struggling with that idea, if God hasn't answered some prayers for you, if you're feeling like prayer is ineffective, God hasn't spoken through me, I haven't really feel much about prayer, I don't go to prayer, I want to tell you today that I want to encourage you in the power of prayer. We've got to get back to a foundational place of prayer, where if we believe that if we open our hearts and our minds and our mouths in prayer and God hears us, things are going to move. God is is going to move. We've got to get back to that place where we know that prayer is powerful again. If somebody in this room has prayed a prayer for something to happen and God moved and saw you, raise your hand. Amen. That's a lot of people. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand anymore, this is more rhetorical, but how many of you in the course of that process asked that prayer, just shot it out there, just put it out there, didn't think, man, God doesn't hear me, I don't, nothing's ever going to happen, this mountain is too big, this problem is too big, and then God answered your prayer and it brought you to your knees. It brought you to tears. How many have had that experience, I wonder? Well, we've got to talk more about prayer we got to get more involved in prayer. You see, prayer is the secret weapon. It's the thing they can't take away from you. It's the thing the world can't erase. It's the thing that if by faith you hold on to it and you make it part of who you are, they can't do anything with it. They can't shout louder than you. They can't tell you not to. They can't hold you back. They can't affect your prayer. The enemy has no power over your words of prayer. And if we get back to the idea that this is my secret power, this is my superpower, in the world of God, and begin to get that faith going again, we're going to move mountains. We're going to see people saved. There was prayer this morning for the the community. There was prayer this morning for the prodigals. There was prayer this morning for the pastors. Thank you for that, by the way. There was prayer this morning for the congregation. There are needs amongst us right now that need to be answered. And I wonder, do we have a fleet of prayer warriors They would gather together on a Monday night and say, let's pray for this issue and watch God move. Prayer is foundational. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 17, you know this scripture very well. It's very short. It says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That all day long, every day, all I have to do is walk around and pray? No, it means make prayer a part of everything that you do and who you are. From the time that you wake up in the morning to the time that you go to bed at night. If you're conscious and you're awake, prayer can be a part of what you do. It means pray always, pray every day. Why? Because the more that you pray and the more that you engage in prayer and the more faith that you insert into your prayer, the more that you're going to see things happen. It's a sowing the seed principle, you see. You know that when you take a seed of corn or some other plant and put it in the ground, stand there and look at it, it's not going to jump up out of the ground at you. 
But I'll tell you what, if you begin to plant and sow the prayers, sow the seeds of powerful prayer, eventually over the course of that time, if you're consistent and you're faithful and you're watering that thing with faith, things are going to start jumping up out of the ground. You're going to start to say, hey man, I've got some ability here. God's using me. He's working through me. I can pray for things and it'll happen. It'll build your faith. It'll make you powerful for all those that you that sit and say, man, God, I wish you would use me for this or I really want to see people healed. I want to make this happen if I pray. I'm telling you, that's how you do it. You got to get involved. Pray without ceasing. Constant, daily, frequent, often, more, more practice will lead to God moving. You know why I know that? Because it was taught to me and I've lived it. And I've sat and watched God listen to prayers. I thought I was yelling into a brick wall. And then God suddenly appears and answers that prayer. I could stand here for an hour and a half and not even get close to the number of times I could, I could testify where God has answered prayers. Are we there? Are we there? Have we, have we sort of let it kind of calm down? Have we sort of come to a place where, yeah, you know what, Pastor? I, you're right. I kind of, I've lost a little faith in prayer. I've, I've lost a little edge in my prayer. Come on, are we there? You can be honest with yourself. You don't, have to, you don't have to sign a confession or anything. But I feel it, and I sense it, and it was through conversation. It was through what God laid in my heart is that we're starting to creep into that place where it just doesn't seem like prayer is even valuable anymore. It doesn't seem like it's doing anything. Why? Because we're not diligent, and we're not getting after it like we should. And if last year didn't coax you into a place of prayer, I don't know what will. And I believe that God is saying, now is the time. Now is the time. You'll see that prayer works. 1 Timothy 2 and 8 reminds us, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. There is no place that prayer is not possible if it's needed or it's desired. Do you understand? No matter where you are. I shared this story. I worked at a job up in Jackson at the Cisco plant. Horrible, terrible place. Things were always going bad there. I was so depressed, so, so messed up with that place, so stressed out. And I knew I was walking into a situation one morning. I literally walked up to the building. I laid my hand on the door of the building. I said, in Jesus' name, God, help me through this. I opened the door and I walked into a situation that had been completely resolved. The person that was a problem that was making my life a nightmare was terminated that morning. Many times in that situation, praying everywhere, there is no place that is inappropriate to pray if you need it. Ephesians 6 and 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching therefore with, uh, excuse me, thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's talk about prayer and supplication. Anybody know the difference? They're both prayer. Prayer is when you're generally communicating with God. You're worshiping, you're praying, you're talking to him, you're thanking him. Supplication is when you're asking. And it's talking about praying and asking. And that's one of the things the word reminds us is that you don't have because you don't ask. Because we got this thing in our head that it's wrong for us to pray and ask for things for ourselves. And sometimes for other people. But God wants you to. He wants you to pray. Don't start out that way, right? 
We don't start out, God, give me this. I hope you give me this today. But start that prayer out. God, I worship you. Thank you for today. Bless you, God, for all that you are and who you are. I'm not even worthy to lift up your name, Jesus. But thank you for everything that you do. And God, I've got a petition for you today. There's somebody that has a need. And then somewhere down in the course of that path, Lord, I'd like to ask something for me. You ask because you don't have because you don't ask. Prayer and supplication for yourself, but it says for all saints as well. In other words, you know what? We ought to be praying every day for each other. Now, you may not know this and may not realize it, but it kind of comes with a job. It's on the resume. It's in the job description, but I pray for this entire church. I have a list on my desk, and I go through the names All of you come up at different times in prayer. Supplication for you, for my family, for me. When it says with all prayer, it's talking about all kinds of prayer. We should use every kind of prayer we can think of whenever we can. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer, and just flat out prayer. All of it. Use all of it. All the time. Anywhere you can. Some places it's appropriate for some shouting, awesome, powerful prayer. Sometimes it's appropriate to find your closet somewhere, a private secret place, and weep before God and just pray in silence. Use them all. They're at your disposal. Those are your weapons. Those are the weapons of your warfare. They're yours. You can have them. Pick them up and use them. Struggling through life, worried about what's going to happen, dealing with problems and situations and jobs and family and out in the world, I just read you an armory of powerful weapons at your disposal. I'm just reminding you. God's reminding me. We have plenty of opportunities right now. You know, they haven't outlawed prayer yet. Philippians 4. Another one you're very familiar with, four, six, and seven. says, be careful for nothing. That means to be mentally strong. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, this is the best part of that. It says, and the peace of God. Who wants peace? Anybody need some peace in their lives these days? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Where did I say last week the battlefield is? It's here and it's here. We're in a spiritual warfare, not a physical warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. If that is true, as I said, if that is true, then the battlefield is in your mind and in your heart. This scripture tells you basically how to protect that. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding. It's impossible. You can't get it. It's it's unreal what God can do to move into a situation, bring that peace to you, and keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. James 5 and 16, one of my favorite scriptures, I quote it often, says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much effectual fervent prayer fervent the base word fire that's talking about powerful fiery prayer gets things done it avails much it brings god's will god, you know god's will can be changed through prayer abraham did it god was ready to destroy sodom and gomorrah on the spot abraham prayed god let me go in and find a few righteous he couldn't find the first number he went back and said well, let me try to find a little bit more nope that didn't work either finally he had none 
and they had to escape the city. But he staved off God's judgment to give him an opportunity to at least try. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It shakes the spiritual world. You remember that story I told about Lee Stone King at North American Youth Congress? He said he did research about the power of a shout. He talked about that. Remember that? The sound waves. He said that literally what, is, what the scientists say is that a shout shreds the air. Who is the prince and power of the air? Our enemy. The one who's screaming in our ears all the time, telling us how bad we are, what a failure we are, and how there's no chance we're going to make it, and how no one's ever going to be saved or listen to our words. Nothing is ever going to happen. That prince, that power of the air. But we can shred that air with a simple shout, with effective, fervent prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says that, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall receive them. You shall have them. I talk about this in, in, in prayer all the time. Believing. How do you invoke believing? When it says, whatever you do when you pray, believe. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? How do I just believe? I want to tell you that, again, we have a mind and an imagination. God's given us a powerful tool right here on top of our shoulders. And when you pray, the idea is you see that thing happening. Let's say, for example, example, I wanted this lantern to move over there by itself, and I'm going to pray for that to happen. In my mind, I see that thing sliding on over. Now, of course, I'm not a magician, and I'm not going to do that, but that was just an example. My point is, is you see it. See it in your mind when you're praying. Believe that God can do it. See God moving in that situation. If you pray for something to happen, a healing to happen, someone has got something going wrong in their body, see God reaching into that body, taking hold of that thing, wrapping it in virtuous healing, and healing that person. That's what it means to believe, to see it without seeing it, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Jesus introduces the faith concept when he's talking about prayer. So let's, let's talk about faith. Brother Chad, you preached this part of my message this morning. Thank you. God, he knows we're in unity, buddy. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the famous chapter, the famous verse we all know, Brother Chad quoted it this morning. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I just quoted it. If you go down to verse 6, though, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, aside from prayer, aside from the power of prayer and what we can really do through prayer, what else is being chiseled away, what's being worn away is faith. We're not seeing things happen our way out there right now, are we? It's looking kind of grim, isn't it? Isn't it like God to let things happen out there in the world and challenge your faith? Who's operating in the universe? Who's control over everything that's going on in the world now? If something is happening out there, it's because God is allowing it to happen out there. But see, that's the challenge to our faith, and it's wearing away. I see it in people that I talk to. Well, I don't know. I think, I think we got to go out and make things happen. I think we got to take control of the situation. I'm not quite ready to do that yet. Because faith is being challenged. Matthew chapter 21. 
Starting at verse 18, the, the parable of the fig tree. This is, is very critical. I'm going to take it a little bit further than Brother Chad did. Matthew 21 and 18 says, Now in the morning as he returned into the city, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. He hungered. It's believed that he left the house that morning and probably much earlier than before they prepared a meal. He hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it. Now I want you to understand, and you probably already know this, fig trees have a tremendous symbolic message in the word of God. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden and they decided that they were going to do things their way and find their own path to righteousness, which tree did they go to to make their aprons to cover their nakedness? They went to a fig tree. They took fig leaves and they made aprons to cover their sin. That was their own righteousness. I refer to it, my little term is called fig leaf righteousness. It's when we decide we're going to apply the righteousness that we think should apply as opposed to what God's word says. That's what Adam and Eve did. See, rather than go to, a, to repentance and admit to God that they had made the mistake that they took the fruit they shouldn't have taken, they decided, well, we're going to cover ourselves up. We're going to make our own righteousness. Now, he looks at the fig tree and he finds that there's leaves on the tree only and there is no fruit. We know fruit is symbolic in the word of God. But he looks at that fruit, that tree, and, he, and, he, and he's, he sees no fruit, but he sees leaves. This is wrong. You see, this type of a fig tree... Uh, it, when it has leaves, it has fruit. They are synonymous together. That does not happen normally. And so he looks at this fig tree and says, you didn't bear any fruit. He pluses a curse on it. It's only two times Jesus cursed anything that caused it to die, and this is one of them, and they're both not human beings. He says, but leaves only, and said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever, forward forever, and presently the fig tree withered away. Charles Spurgeon, famous quote, says, the first Adam came to the fig tree for leaves. The second Adam looks for the figs. Jesus is looking for the figs. He's looking for the fruit that we bear. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is it that the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, okay, Let's step back for a minute. Does that mean we can walk up to plants and say, you have no fruit, and they wither away? No. He says, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. So, Brother Cordell, I could go over to uh, uh, Asia, and I could look at Mount Everest and say, get in the ocean, and it's going to pop in there if I've got enough faith. Probably not. First of all, that would call, cause massive devastation, probably tsunamis and tidal waves and kill thousands and thousands of people, change the face of the globe, and I don't think God would have that in his will. But the point here are two things. You'll have the power to remove unfruitful things in your life through faith and prayer. We all know we have them. We all know we struggle with them. There are things in our lives that are unfruitful. They do not bear fruit that is pleasing to God. With this power, with this faith, you can look at that situation and say, I'm done with you, and it will wither and die if you have the faith and you pray. The mountain, the second piece, every one of us faces them. You've got them right now in your lives. There's mountains there. Sometimes they're little mountains and sometimes they're big ones. I've stood at the face of mountains in my life and said, there is no way I can see that this resolves itself. There is no way I can see we get out of this situation or that anything good is gonna happen. And through faith and through prayer and the supplication of the saints for me, God stepped in and plucked that mountain up and cast it into the sea. 
You have that power with faith and with prayer. Do you understand you can eliminate the things that are unfruitful in your life through prayer and you can remove the mountains that stand in the way of where you want to go? The enemy is going to keep chucking mountains in your way. You understand that, right? He's going to keep throwing them in there. He's going to find one big enough. It's his idea. His hope is to find one big enough that you just finally give up and say, prayer doesn't really work and I just don't believe God can do this. I hear it from people. I've said it. I've been in that place where I just don't think God's going to do it for me. I know he can do it. I know God can do it, but he can do it for me. I'm not worthy. That's out of the pit of hell. That's a lie from the enemy. Don't ever, ever listen to that. Because I'm telling you, there were mountains that were standing in front of me that were life and death. And God gave me life. Just like in Mark eleven twenty four, 24 from before, Jesus says it again in verse 22. He goes on, he says, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Now, I want to challenge your thinking on this for just a moment because I've had people say, oh, the Bible. I had one guy, I had an atheist tell me one time, God's a liar. He lies all over the Bible. He says, if you pray for stuff, you'll get it. I said, you literally mean, that means if I, if I pray for everything I want, the Bible means I just get everything I ask for. Clearly, that would not be healthy for me. That would not be good for the earth. That would not be a good thing. These things have to reside in the will of God for your benefit, for his, and for the kingdom. Let's be honest now. Let's not be silly. But let me, think, let me just challenge your thinking on this sometimes. Is I think we get caught a little bit in this mode of when we ask for us. Or when we ask what generates out of our mind. Or when we ask what we think of. But what about this? What about this faith activating in a time when God moves on you to do something. And then you activate that faith and that vision. Let me give you an example. Many of you know that one of my favorite ministries, one of the things I love to do the most is to work the altar, right? I've had altar classes and we've talked about that and I love to work the altar. I love to pray and watch God fill people with the Holy Ghost. But somewhere down the road a while, long while ago, I struggled with it and I know some people do. Some say, I really want to pray for people. It just doesn't seem to happen. Keep going. Just keep coming. Just keep praying for folks. Build that faith up. But what happened to me is there was a place where I said, God, I just want to know. And one day he spoke to me, standing at this altar, and he said, go pray for that person. I, hear, I heard it just, I mean, almost audibly. I felt God impressed to me, go pray for that person, and I'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. You see, it was his will, his decision, his idea that I had to act on faith for, for his purpose, you see? And so knowing, learning from a child in this movement, I had to act in obedience I walked right to that person. I walked up to that person and I said, do you believe God can fill you with the Holy Ghost? Yes, I do. I said, God sent me here and said, if you pray and I pray for you, he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And that person immediately was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now it took a little bit of courage and a little bit of faith to step out and do that because what's my brain telling me? What's my flesh telling me? What if it doesn't happen, right? But you have to act in faith. And so sometimes it's not about just, here's, here's the thought I had, here's the thing I want to happen. i got to act in faith. Sometimes it's what God impresses on you to do. I know there are people in this room right now that desire the ability to be able to pray for people and see them healed, see them filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to be effective in the kingdom. You want to be used. You want to have a purpose in the kingdom. And I'm telling you today that through faith 
If you step out and you activate what Jesus said there, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you'll receive. He says it again in Matthew 17 and 20. Look at 17 and 20. It says, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Now, we all know this. We've heard this in Sunday school. Mustard seed's a teeny, teeny, tiny little thing. Go home and open up your, bar, your, your bottle of Dijon and get out a scoop. That little tiny brown dot, that's the seed. You shall say unto this mountain, again, he uses the term the mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you. Never allow yourself, allow the enemy to speak into your life and your ear and say, whatever it is that you're thinking about, it's impossible. It is not impossible with him. Look at some of our commands in scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 12. Another favorite scripture of mine. It says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold onto eternal life. You know what that tells me? It's a struggle. It's a battle. You gotta keep clawing away at faith. Keep reaching for it. Keep struggling for it. No, I'm gonna believe. No, I'm gonna believe in God. I'm gonna believe. I'm just gonna believe. I I see it in front of me. It looks impossible. I can't deal with this. It's too stressful. I just can't see God doing anything, but I'm gonna believe. And you just keep fighting the good fight of faith. And I'm telling you, it gets easier. And all of a sudden, God moves because of your faith, because of your continued planting those seeds, sowing those seeds of faith. Those things start to pop up. Things start to happen. People start getting filled with the Holy Ghost when you pray for them. People are healed when you pray for them. That person you've been wanting to come to a Bible study finally comes. They come to your house. You see somebody come to church. And all of those wonderful things that build our faith and make us feel valuable and purposeful in the kingdom. I promise you. Why? Because it's in the word. I'm reading it to you from Jesus' own words. Ephesians chapter 6 and 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You see, that's the other great message. If prayer is the weapon, faith is the shield. So you just go into your battles. You got your shield of faith, and you got your prayer, and I'm getting to the sword of the word in a second. And you can quench those fiery darts of the enemy. You see, if you stand tall in faith, if you determine in your mind that regardless of what you see with your eyes, what you hear with, in your ears, whatever it is that's surrounding you, if you determine in your mind that I am going to have faith that God is going to carry me through, you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. He can't continue to erode your mind, create fear inside you. You see, right now, there's a lot of people that want to run and jump and do things about some things that are going on in our world right now. And they're aggravated at me because I'm standing with my shield of faith and my power of prayer and I'm believing that God's will is being done right now. I do not feel his call to action. I do not feel another call or a direction for our church except to stand in faith and be ministers of the gospel for the community that desperately needs him. Period. If that changes, I'll let you know. I'll send an email. Finally, Hebrews 10 and 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. These words are very specific. This stuff's not hard to understand, is it? People say, oh, that Bible is just so hard to read. And just, I, don't, I don't get these words. This is not hard. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Who's that? Must be Jesus. 
Jump down to verse 38 and it says, now the just shall live by faith. That's it. That's the fuel that you're living on or should be living on. Not media. Not what's out there. Not what people are telling you. Not what's coming in through your eyes and through your ears. Your sustenance, the fuel that keeps you going as a Christian is faith. The just shall live by faith. Last section here, I want to talk about the word. See where I went? Prayer, faith, and the word. Remember I said the title of this was Back to the Basics. The beautiful basics. Psalm 119 and 18. I'm going to read a few from Psalms. It says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I'm going to encourage you this morning like I have never encouraged before. We have got to get into the word. We've got to eat it, devour it, live it, carry it, praise it, love it, recite it, memorize it, make it a part of who you are. Because if faith is a substance that we live on, the word is the bread that we smear it on. You follow me on that? Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the direction we have. It's telling us where to go. If you're in the word and you're faithfully in the word, you hear from God. I have people sit in front of me sometimes say, I never hear from God anymore. Uh, Brother Cordell, I just don't hear from God. My first question, are you reading? Are you reading the Bible consistently? Well, you know, I, it's not what I'm saying. As I'm saying, I pray and I'm not hearing from God. Are you reading the word of God? Because if you want to hear from God, if you want direction from him, you want that strength and that courage and that vision to take the next step, you want the path laid out before you, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And if they say no, they're not consistently reading the word, the conversation is over. I want you to take your bread program, go home, read your word, then we'll talk about what God says to you through that. Not too long ago, I won through a sales thing, three tailored suits. Never had a tailored suit in my entire life. I was blown away. But they said, here, here's this voucher, and you can have this tailor come in, and he's going to measure you up, and he's going to make you three suits. I've worn them here. You've seen them. It's the only suits I have, that little pocket corner sticking out of them, window pane. And while I'm getting these suits made, this guy says, hey, man, you can get all this stuff embroidered on them if you want. I said, really? How much does that cost? Oh, no, it's free. You can just do it. I said, what, what do you mean embroidered? See, I'm, I'm poor and ignorant. I don't know this stuff. And uh, he says, well, people do these, these uh, embroideries in the back of their collar back here, underneath. And I thought, why do they do that? Yeah, it's just a fun thing. You just identify your suit the way you want to. It becomes yours. It makes it personal. He said, down here in the cuff of the pant leg here, underneath there, they embroider stuff. And inside the, the coat here, they embroider stuff. And I said, really, I can do this in all three of my suits? That's okay. He said, yeah, I'll do it for you. It's real neat. And you do a scripted thing and all that. All three of my suits, the left pant leg, inside cuff, says Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And every one of my collars says Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other, none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I had a lot of fun with that. I want to carry the word with me. I thought, that's awesome. I want to carry the word with me, and I want to honor God. 
Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's literally defense to keep us from falling, to keep us as far away from sin as we can. The more you read the word, the more you can challenge that flesh to avoid sin. Will it always be permanent and perfect? No. If we ever get to a place where we have no sin in our lives, we just become Jesus and that just ain't gonna happen. The word is God's instruction for life. The word is wisdom for us. The scriptures of the word releases our chains and lifts our burdens. The Bible gives us hope. It reminds us of his promises. His word enables us to battle and defeat the devil. Your faith is strengthened through the word. The Bible is not an amulet, a charm, a fetish, or a book that will work wonders by its very presence. It's a book that will work wonders in every life if acted upon and obeyed in faith and sincerity. It is God's inspired revelation of the origin and destiny of all things, written in the simplest human language possible so that the most unlearned can understand and obey its teachings. It is self-interpreting and covers every subject of human knowledge and need. As a literary composition, the Bible is the most remarkable book ever written. It is a divine library of 66 books, some of considerable size and others no larger than a tract. These books include various forms of literature, history, biography, poetry, proverbial sayings, hymns, letters, directions for elaborate ritualistic worship, laws, parables, riddles, allegories, prophecy, drama, and others. They embrace all manner of literary styles in human expression. Isn't that incredible? It is the book that reveals the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its its doctrines are holy, its precepts building, its history is true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. The Bible contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here heaven is open and the gates of hell disclosed. Jesus Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its design and the glory of God its end. It should fulfill, excuse me, it should fill your memory, rule your heart and guide your feet in true righteousness and true holiness. Do not allow it to gather dust. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully, meditatively, searchingly, devotionally, and study it constantly, perseveringly, and industriously. Read it through and through until it becomes a part of your being and generates faith that will move mountains. The Bible is a mine of wealth, the source of health, and a world of pleasure. It is given to you in this life will be opened at the judgment and will stand forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the least to the greatest of labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred comments. That is a fantastic and wonderful assessment of the word of God. Does it encourage you to pick it up? Do you want to run home today and dive into your one-year Bible and get a week ahead? It's marvelous if you just sit down and enjoy it and read it. It's wonderful. Without your efforts, I hear people say to me all the time, I just struggle with the these and the thous and just the numbers, Deuteronomy. But I'm telling you, find a version that you like. I like the ESV version for pleasurable reading. That's the English Standard Version. But I'm telling you, even if you don't understand the words that you're reading, it's designed to speak directly to your soul. See, God designed the word for the thing that's inside you, not for this. 
Not for this nasty flesh wrapped around us. He designed it for this and this thing inside your chest and that wonderful soul that he created inside you. So those two things get together and they do okay. Just go ahead and read it. And suddenly you'll find an understanding. You'll find an enrichment. You go, wow, that's really powerful. I used to tell our Sunday school class, there's some really cool stuff in the Bible. There's that guy that had this, the tent stake driven through his head and all those really, just to get him to go, that's in there? If you like drama, if you like action, if you like sci-fi, there's sci-fi in the Bible. I want to share with you just a piece of poetry, and I'm closing this morning. Just a beautiful piece of poetry that I love so much. Some divine instruction, incredible promises about reading the word of God. Proverbs, uh, the first one is Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 6. Now listen how it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words... That's the first action. Receive my words and hide my commandments with, me, with thee so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge. In other words, if you really want to know, if you want knowledge and you lift up your voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hidden treasures. Here's the payoff. In other words, if it's talking about diving into the word, consuming the word, wanting that knowledge, wanting those treasures, if you really desire them. Verse five tells you this. Then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. It's talking about his word. Psalm 19 is another beautiful piece. There's five different names for the word of God listed in this passage. And I love the way the psalmist put this. Psalm 19, starting at verse seven, says this. It says, the law, that's the first one, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. There's great reward. If you get serious about it, if you dive into it, if you make it part of every single day, make it part of who you are, determine in your heart that you're going to dive into the word this year more than ever before. You can stand with me this morning at closing. Paul writes to his good friend Timothy a very important and well-placed call to action Many of you know this passage, but I share it with you today. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 13 through 16 says it this way. It says, till I come, he's talking about himself coming to be with Timothy. So, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Do you ever see people walking around, torn down, depressed, constantly fighting, constantly complaining, everything's wrong, everything's bad. 
They just, they just have that, that person just never seems to be going right. I can tell you if they're a Christian in the church, that is a symptom of a person who has just abandoned the word of God. They've got to get back to the word. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And ultimately, that's our goal and that's our purpose. We need to save ourselves and those that hear us. Seek and to save that which is lost. It's going to be a tremendous year. If you've heard what I said today and you apply what God gave Brother Chad this morning and what he gave me in in unison. If you hear me today and you apply these principles from the Word of God, 2021 is going to be an incredible year. It is going to be an incredible year for this church, is it not? Amen? See it. Believe it. See those doors opening. Faces coming in that desperately need God. See that person attending your Bible study. See that person agreeing to go out to that coffee or that lunch that Brother Chad mentioned this morning. Apply that faith. Pray constantly and stay in the word. And all this other stuff, all the troubles of life, all the interactions, all the drama, all that junk are just gonna fall to the wayside. And God is gonna do marvelous things inside you personally and inside this church. Amen? The altar is open this morning for those who will. Come down and enjoy the presence of the Lord. It's still powerful in here. I I hope you feel it like I do. We serve a great and merciful God. He's wonderful. And he's got tremendous things in store for us. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.